I'm Roy Sharples and welcome to the Unknown Origins podcast. Why are you listening to this podcast? Are you an industry expert looking for insights? Are you growing your career? Or are you a dear friend helping to spur your pal on? I created the Unknown Origins podcast to have the most inspiring conversations with creative industry personalities and experts about entrepreneurship, pop culture, art, music, film and fashion. Every successful artist, entrepreneur and business needs to innovate continuously or risk being surpassed by competition in the longer term. The digital revolution has democratised information and accelerated the pace of change. It is a world that is increasingly technology mediated, changing how we live, learn, work and get things done, and it's blurred the boundaries between physical and virtual life where the edges are no longer the boundaries. Peter Fisk is a global thought leader, author, futurist, speaker, whose career was forged in a superconductivity lab accelerated by managing supersonic brands shaped by working with some of the world's best companies in Europe, North America and Asia, evolved by leading a digital startup and formalised as CEO of the world's largest marketing network. He works with business leaders to reimagine their markets and strategies for a better future. He brings together the best in strategy and innovation, brand and customer thinking to drive smarter, sustainable growth. His new book, Business Recoded, challenges leaders to have the courage to create a better future, harnessing the opportunities of a post-pandemic world through seven shifts built on deep dives with 49 of the world's most inspiring business leaders today. It is shortlisted for CMI Business Book of the Year 2021 and was reviewed by the Financial Times with, wow, the book you have to read now. Hello and welcome, Peter. It's fantastic to be here, Roy. Thank you, sir. What inspired and attracted you to the innovation space in the first place, Peter? Wow, what a great question. Albert Einstein and Pablo Picasso, to make it simple. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I spent my my early years doing something crazy, which was to study physics. Uh, I went to uni. I had no idea what I wanted to be or to do. And... um, I was intrigued by the world. I thought, um, I'm quite good at this. Um, and I wanted to learn all about uh, how everything works. And um, I ended up um, uh, living in Switzerland, going into a lab at CERN, um, going about uh, two kilometers underground, putting some um, different uh, carbon and barium-based components into a test tube of liquid nitrogen every day and, and waiting for something to happen. And it was the most boring thing in my life. And uh, I eventually decided I did not want to be a physicist because it was just too slow and the breakthroughs were too rare um, that uh, I came out and I decided I wanted to be a marketer. And within uh, within a few years, I was uh, managing the Concord brand. So um, so that wow. was my early times. But um, Albert Einstein, really, he, he inspired me because... He was, he was really crap at mathematics, actually. Uh, we always think of him as kind of like a logical person. Yeah. He was terrible at the analytical mathematical stuff. He went out walking in the Swiss Alps near to where I was living, and um, he dreamed of new connections. Yeah. And he, for example, he dreamed of how energy was connected to matter, uh, E and M. And then he came home, and he had this wonderful wife who was a mathematician, and she worked out that there was a C squared in it. So together, they came up with E equals MC squared. 
So what I learned from that <laughs> was that um, that it's not about the, the the logic; it's about the bigger picture and the creative connections which you can make, the intuitive things, um, which allow you to step forward. You can then find the C squared later on. So using a bit of left brain and then applying your right brain to it, and Picasso was actually the opposite. And um, so he. He, his dad was a mathematician at the uh, University of Madrid, and uh, he learned um, uh, trigonometry. And trigonometry allowed him to, to, to master perspective. Yes. And so his mathematical bringing allowed him to see new perspectives, which is why he trained with all these um, impressionist painters in Paris, like Toulouse-Lautrec. Yeah. But then he kind of like said, I want to do something different. And he created uh, a new genre, uh, Cubism. And he made the leap forward, again, not just by measuring the perspectives itself or copying what other people have done, by, but by doing things in a different way. And when I wrote my first book, which was called Marketing Genius, back ooh, 15 years ago, um, it was inspired by Albert Einstein's um, left to right brain and Pablo Picasso's right to left brain. And it's how you connect the two together. It's yeah. how you connect logic and intuition or intelligence and imagination. Yes, connecting divergent and convergent thinking to perceive patterns that are not obvious and using divergent thinking to conceive creative and radical ideas, dreaming up what doesn't exist and then using convergent thinking to review and select the best ideas to, to rapidly prototype and construct the plan and then bring that plan to, to life. The other theme that came across strongly, Peter, was thinking as an outsider to get an external view of the challenge. Often, by accident, disruption can have a domino effect outside the intention, the intentional target and area of expertise. For, for example, Apple's iTunes became a multimedia content and hardware synchronization management system and e-commerce platform. Originally, it was envisioned as a music player, and it ended up disrupting the music industry by providing consumers with the ability to, to legally buy only the songs they wanted to hear at a significantly lower cost than on other platforms. And another example is, most famously, Coca-Cola which was first invented by the pharmacist John Steith Pemberton to cure headaches before becoming a household name. Anyway, it's ironic how people perceive Einstein and Picasso at a surface level to be masters of something they actually weren't. Einstein was more creative than critical thinking and Picasso more scientific in his approach to artistry through the point you made around the appreciation and detailed understanding of how geometry worked, then applying that to the cubist movement that he was instrumental in establishing. I know I'm oversimplifying this, though those who achieve greatness do not fit a formula or follow a structure. They follow their own path and manifest their inner feelings about the world by promoting their innate point of view and unique talent by being able to see things that other people don't, to look left when others are looking right, because they navigate the unknown by making those unique connections that you mentioned, Peter, between disparate universes to set the path to the future. 
What is your creative process in terms of how do you conceive ideas? Do they fall out of the sky or do you dedicate time to ideate and, and find the new ideas? And once you've formed those ideas, how do you then develop them into new concepts and then bring them to actualization? I think there's probably three big things. Um, first one is hypothesis. Um, was, what was really interesting as you were talking there, Roy, is you mentioned people think science as kind of quite a logical process. You know, the biggest thing in science is that you know, I was taught when I was learning when I was learning science was that hypothesis is the starting point of any experiment. The purpose of experiment is, is to is to hypothesize something which you don't know, and then to test whether it's success, it's real or not. Um, and so, when we come to any form of of creativity or, or business, even then, being able to hypothesize something being possible, you know, so to 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 to, to imagine a better future in some way, and then to test that is really the creative process. And so science is, is actually a creative process. Not many people think of it like that. Yeah. They think of it yeah. as kind of geeks in, in white coats, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but it's, a, it's a creative process. And I think that ability to um, imagine the future, to articulate something which hasn't been proven, which, which you're not sure about, and to have the courage to, to speak of what doesn't necessarily exist yet, um, and then to kind of see whether it works, to see whether customers like it, if you're selling it, um, to see how your critical audiences respond to it is incredibly important. So I think hypothesis is a first um, really important thing to jump forwards, to, to leap forward in, into the dark in some way. The, se- the second one is making connections. And you mentioned that, and like Einstein and his wife, um, you know, Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci, he said that um, you know, the definition of innovazioni, as he called it, was, was connections. And the more connections you could make, the more possibilities you had. And, uh, you know, if you look at people like uh, A.J. Laffley in Procter & Gamble, he always said, you know, look for paradoxes in business, things which seem opposite. <laughs> because if you can connect, connect things which don't seem connected or don't seem to be connectable, they seem opposites, then maybe you'd find something new. So if you can resolve a paradox, um, you can find that you can, you, can, you can often create something new. You can innovate a new way of solving a, a customer's problem if you want something fantastic quality, but you also want it at a very low price, for yeah. example. So making new connections. And you know, for me, you know, when I've worked in business, for example, I mentioned that uh, my early career was in the airline industry. One of the projects I worked on was um, how do you get flat beds into a very small space? And at the time when I started, which was in the kind of um, uh, late 80s, early 90s, you know, in business class um, and particularly first class, you know, flat beds were like kind of having this huge gray armchair and then trying to recline it. And it took half of the kind of cabin to get, you know, two or three of these yeah. chairs in. And what we did was we kind of thought, well, we, the biggest challenge is to optimize the, 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 the square meters of the of the plane, how can you maximize that space um, within the plane? And we we looked around the world at who is incredibly good at maximizing space, particularly for beds. Yeah. And uh, and and you can guess what I'm going to say. Um, it, it it was uh, yacht designers. So we brought in a yacht designer to design the, the first business class flat bed 
which folded flat, completely flat, but then folded up again into a proper seat. And, you know, that would be an example or something like um, I worked in the funeral industry. Here's a good one for you. Um, I worked in the funeral industry and um, and I discovered that um, most people um, never kind of, well, firstly, they, they don't write a will. They don't plan how they, they, they what's going to happen at their funeral. They prefer not to think about it. Um, but if you go to somewhere like uh, the Netherlands, um, you find that 85% of people have paid for the funeral by the time they're, they're, they're 40. Wow. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the reason why that happens is because the, the major uh, providers of funerals are insurance companies. And insurance companies um, uh, get you when you're young uh, with kind of uh, mortgages for your house or to invest in a pension and to take out life insurance. And they say, when you take it, taking out those kind of policies, perhaps when you're kind of a young professional or you're getting married, those kind of things, then then why don't you take out a funeral, funeral plan for a few dollars, euros extra yes. as well? And then you can plan the funeral which you want. You can plan how you're going to be remembered. And yeah. otherwise, you're going to lumber somebody else with the cost of it. And what happens is that if you plan your own funeral, you spend about 10 times more than somebody else would. <laughs> and so, so suddenly, by, by reframing the way things happen, um, you can kind of take a different perspective and you kind of make something much more engaging and more important. And actually, if you look at funerals in Holland, they're, they're, they're fantastic events. They're like great parties. You're not there because you're deceased, but yeah. but everybody else is having a fantastic time. They've got the best DJ. They've got fireworks at the end of the <laughs> evening. Um, you know, often you get cremated because that's more environmentally efficient today. Yeah. Um, and so you put your ashes into a firework and you blast off at the end of the night and Everybody says goodbye to you. So, um, so, <laughs> so this whole idea of making new connections, seeing things in different ways, reframing the problem, um, I think are the real starting points of creativity. And once you've got those kinds of concepts in place, it is then a process of diverge using yes. some of those tools, explore and shape your, your ideas and your concepts and then converge. And, you know, that sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but, but it really, really is important. And it's, it's amazing how many people do not give themselves time to diverge. <laughs> they want to jump to the solution incredibly quickly. You, you remember, you remember people gathering around the flip charts and they kind of just want yes. to put the answers down in the flip chart. They give themselves 20, 20 minutes to solve the problem. You know, actually, they've probably not got the right problem because they haven't worked out actually what the real question is. Exactly. So really what you should have, before you have a, a brainstorm of the answers, you'd have a brainstorm of the questions or some people would call it a question burst. So yeah. what is the real problem we're trying to solve? Let's explore it further. Let's explore it further. Let you know, spend about 30% of the time exploring the question, exploring the problem, exploring the possibilities before you start to shape the answers and think what might be true and then spend a bit more time connecting the best answers together and to get more powerful concepts as a result of it. So, you know, creativity, the creative process to me is ultimately diverge, shape and converge, yeah. but there's a lot more magic behind that. Exactly. And that magic can take planning. And although the creative process may seem magical in part, especially where ideas can come from and how they are brought to, to form and life, there are proven techniques, tools, methods, frameworks, and approaches, as you mentioned there, 
Peter, to the art and science of applied creativity and to make that happen. And as you so eloquently put as well, Peter, is the creative process is about making new connections between past and present ideas and infusing think themes like economics, politics, sociocultural, technological perspectives in parallel to produce new business models, products, services or experiences. And that the steps in the process involve discovering and developing insights, applying divergent thinking to analyse a problem, generate and evaluate ideas that become concepts, experimenting, prototyping, constructing, and then making that plan of action and bringing it to, to form. Peter, what are the key skills needed to survive and thrive as an innovator? I wrote my most recent book um, called Business Recoded. And I went around 50 business leaders and I, I, I started with a short list of about, about 300 people who I wanted to interview. And eventually I got it down to 50 of people who I really wanted to tell the stories of. Yeah. And you know, some of them were big companies, some of them were small companies, um, some of them were Asian or Latin American, some of them were in developed markets, Europe and America. Um, and I talked to all these people. The biggest thing which struck me was that the people who are being most successful right now are the most curious. Yeah, They're the most interested in the future. They ask the most questions. They're curious about me. They're curious about what I've seen. They're curious about their world. They're curious about what their people think. They're curious about what might happen next. And you know, if you look at most business leaders 10, 10 years ago, they were probably you know, obsessed about just making things happen. They were obsessed about today's business, efficiency, delivery, yeah. and, and performance. And they weren't really curious. <laughs> and yeah. I think so, so, so curious, curiosity is become incredibly important because we live in this world where we're facing uncertainty, ambiguity, complexity constantly. And it's, you know, it's not going to go away. And so being interested in what's going to happen next and, and where you could go is really important. You could say, you know, curious is one of five C's. Let me get this right. So yeah. curious is the first C, customer, customer is the second C. So customer anticipation, not just what the customers want today, yeah. but what do they want next? Context framing is the third frame. So context, I think, is really important. So what is the frame by which you're going to put it in? So you know, like funerals, instead of thinking of them as a negative experience, how can you think of them as a positive celebration? Creative, uh, creative fusions. Creative fusions, I think, is the fourth C. And, and the final C is another really important one, courage. Yeah. You know, it's the courage to step up, the courage to dare to do something, the courage to say something which nobody said before, the courage to try something which you don't know whether it's going to work or not, and the courage to kind of stand up and explain that to other people and to encourage them to, to, to follow you. So I think you know, curiosity and courage are probably the two which I think are most important if you want to survive and thrive as a business innovator today. Spot on, Peter. Being a lifelong student by staying curious and, and being open-minded and always learning and questioning and analysing and providing an alternative in search of the authentic and new. As you were articulating this, Peter, Muhammad Ali came to mind and he was the ultimate beacon and signpost for change who shook society up, especially in America during the civil rights movement and rejecting what he termed his slave name, Cassius Clay, converting to, to Islam and refusing 
military service to, to go to war with Vietnam, a sacrifice that cost him the heavyweight championship and a ban from boxing right at the pinnacle of his career. And this was during a conservative time in history. And these were courageous actions to take a moral stand that helped push society forward. And hey, even after Ali's organs had stopped, laid to rest on his deathbed, his heart continued to beat for another 30 minutes, which is scientifically unheard of, and a further justification that the heart is the soul. As you reflect, what are the lessons learned in terms of the pitfalls to avoid and the keys to success that you can share with aspiring business innovators? I would come back to this idea of connections. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about Leonardo da Vinci. We talked about the idea of connections are very important. The, the thing I've seen more in COVID uh, during the last 18 months, the companies who thrived more than anybody else are the companies who have connected. And I, and I don't just mean connected in terms of moving online and, 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 and hybrid businesses and, and, and omni-channels and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, the connected ideas. You know, if you look at the most successful businesses in market capitalization growth. So I'm getting financial here, but but you know the ones who are really successful in the stock markets over the last uh, 18 months, they're companies who've, who've connected ideas. So, you know, it, it, it could be Tesla. Um, so Tesla connects the idea of mobility and energy as two big concepts. It actually describes itself, its purpose statement, as accelerating the world's transition to clean energy and makes more money out of its battery business than its automotive business. So batteries for storage of, yes. of, of wind and solar power. So um, if you look in Asia, you know, some of the most interesting companies are, are companies like Pinduoduo. You know, that's the, my favorite retailer at the moment. Pinduoduo is a retailer by which you start off online and you connect by social media with your friends. You play a game or two with your friends. The games you play will give you discounts in the stores. You go to the stores. You go with your friends because they've won, won discounts or, or points with, as well. You, you browse around the stores. You start to multiply the, the number of people who see it because you can add them to your team and you can share the discounts with other people as well. And it becomes a, a completely immersive experience. If you look at Fortnite, you know, eSports is now the biggest sport in the world. Esports has now become the, the largest platform for launching music in the world. So if you look at somebody like Travis Scott, um, you know, he launched his latest music on Fortnite um, during lockdown. And so I don't think people are necessarily going to go back to physical kind of rock concerts or arenas yeah. in the traditional way. They will, they will still for, for some experiences. But I think a lot of the kind of the, the connecting with people, people, you know, you connect with them where they hang out today. And most people hang out in, in new types of social spaces or game gamified spaces. And so connecting ideas of all these different types, connecting industries, connecting different platforms, connecting different uh, types of entertainment um, are very important. Then inside your organization or your team of people, be it in terms of your, you, you know, if you're making music or be you're driving innovation in the company, it's about connecting people. You know, how can you bring interesting people together? Look at how many musicians uh, launch 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 new new music featuring somebody. Yes. Because when they when they feature somebody, 
it gives it a twist. It's not their normal stuff. It gives it, it, it reaches a new audience. They're using the halo brand of somebody else at the same time. So it's, it's almost like co-branding, we'd call it as marketers, but, but it, it's reaching new audiences and it's adding to what, what, what you've already got. And, and I think the third one is, is really connecting organizations. So that might be connecting startups together. It might be connecting big and small companies together. So they have the benefits of scale, but they also have the benefits of agility and, and freshness. So how do you connect um, organizations of all different types together as ecosystems in order to, to go further, um, but also to add value and to add, add, uh, add a, a eclectic, more eclectic kind of content and creativity at the same time? Manifesting what you feel inside and see from the things you observe in everyday life and making connections from past to present and across multiple disciplines and domains, regardless of how abstract they may appear at first, where you end up crystallizing the solution to a problem to then light the way into the future. Peter, tilting forward, what's your vision for the future of business? I want business to be the, the force which solves the biggest problems on earth. You know, we can, we can sit around and we can wait for politicians. We yeah. could wait for the good people in NGOs or we can do something about it. And whether it's, whether it's social inequality, whether it's uh, economic inequality, whether it's climate change, um, whether it be plastics uh, polluting our oceans, you know, all of these kind of big challenges we can we can wait and we can try to solve them in organizational bureaucratic ways which large institutions do or we can use the power of brands use the power of consumers use the power of business assets think about how many people work in companies think about how many people touch a brand you know unilever was telling me that three billion people touch their brands every day now imagine not just if you've got those 3 billion people touching the brand, but what if you connected those 3 billion yes. people together as a network? So it's not just connecting them with Unilever, it's connecting them with each other. And what if Unilever could create their, their shampoos or their, their food products or whatever it might be um, in a way which could enable these people to come together to do more good together. And I think that's when you start to get a exponential um, impact uh, from business. So businesses as platforms for good. We talk a lot about purpose and profit today or purposeful profit, more enlightened way of making money today. But I think what you need to add to that is you need to add passion um, so, so that people really want to do that. And, and you need to add progress so that it moves the world forward in some positive way. So purpose and profit, but passion and progress as well. And, and that's what I think really drives business you know a lot of the fundamental basics there's nothing wrong with a lot of the businesses and the brands which we have we still want shampoo we still want um to buy you know frozen pizza or whatever it might be um but at the same time the ways in which we consume things the ways in which we aspire for things the ways in which we kind of work together as consumers and makers of those things we could be more far far more effective than we are today and i think that's what I, my vision for business would be it would be a platform not just a force but a platform for good just how soon is the future one thing for sure is the future is unwritten and everything is possible you have been listening to the unknown origins podcast 
please follow, subscribe, rate and review us. For more information, go to unknownorigins.com. Thank you for listening.